We're good to go. Woo! Hey guys, today we've got Brett Johnson. Uh, Brett's a, a really good friend of mine. I've had the opportunity to work with him in the past and he's, he's built a lot into our company and our leadership team. And what I love about Brett, he's got a really good, unique twist on leadership, which is actually called Lemon Leadership. But without me talking too much further, let's, uh, Brett, if you can tell us maybe more about yourself and your background and how you got here. Sure, Gary. Yeah. Uh, well, the lemon thing is actually an acrostic for five types of leaders, as you know, luminaries, entrepreneurs, managers, organizers, networks. And, uh, and I came up with this because traditionally people have just focused on two types of leaders, entrepreneurs and managers. And the reality is there's just more than just those, uh, those two types. And so, uh, yeah, it kind of ties in really nicely with High Five and what you're doing. So I'm excited to talk about that. Brilliant. Well, I'd love to hear just maybe more about, I mean, you've got quite a diverse background. I mean, we went from cor corporate to leadership and training and, and even uh, getting involved in, in, in uh, some amazing companies such as Google and Apple. Do you want to maybe jump into a bit of background there and just tell us more about how you had those opportunities? Yeah, sure. Right. I started with Pricewaterhouse in Cape Town. Uh, back in the dark ages and spent 10 years with them here in Cape Town and then in 1986 moved to San Francisco to their office there and uh, felt that we should stay there so I ran a practice for them in executive information systems and moved to KPMG Pitmarwick was a partner there was a partner at Computer Sciences Corporation and got to work with some pretty amazing companies the KPMG gig was a joint venture with Apple which was very interesting back in the day and uh, since then, we started the Institute in 1996, and we've consulted with companies like uh, Cisco Systems, a bunch of startups in different tech spaces. We've worked with companies, software companies like Web Methods, uh, big uh, Fortune 500 companies. And uh, yeah, I also spoken at a lot of universities, Harvard, uh, Stanford, Berkeley, Tsinghua in China, stuff like that, which has been fun. And part of that is coming out of my writing a whole bunch of books as well. My goodness. Okay. Well, you've got a bit of a, bit of a, a history and a legacy right there. Well, do you want to maybe just jump into just telling us a bit more about maybe about the books? I mean, they sound quite interesting. Yeah. So uh, one of the early ones I wrote was called Convergence, how you integrate different facets of your life. People want to work for a purpose. And so how do you do that? and actually do something that's purposeful? How do you get rid of this rubbish notion about balance, you know, balancing work and, and home and everything, you have to figure out integration. Then I wrote a couple of books at the same time. One was called I Operations, which I wrote with Gary Dacian, who was the EVP of Worldwide Operations at Cisco Systems at the time. This was during the height of the dot-com era. And uh, so we wrote that the impact of uh, emerging technologies on businesses, governments, uh, and so on. So I wrote that back then in 2000, as well as Lemon Leadership about the same time. And since then, I've written books on capital, finance, um, more stuff on leadership, relationships, how to transform societies, uh, a whole bunch of them. So 10 books in all. That keeps you um, busy, I'm sure. So it's, it seems like you've had a quite a bit of opportunity and influence into leadership. I mean, do you want to maybe discuss some of the some of the biggest challenges you see most leaders facing you know and, and amongst these small and large yeah sure issues. yeah yeah Gary you know um, one of the things that happened when we worked in executive information systems we actually designed systems specifically for a leader so we would tailor a whole system around a particular leader and uh, very time-consuming 
And then when I studied the leadership literature, there were actually just two types of leaders. One was an entrepreneur and the other was a manager. And occasionally they'd talk about visionaries. But I found as I worked with just hundreds and hundreds of leaders that really they didn't fit into those two buckets. There were more. And I found actually that there were five types of leaders. And so one of the big challenges is that leaders don't know who they are because they don't fit into either the entrepreneur or manager box. I mean, there are amazing leaders who are networkers. You know, John Chambers at Cisco was an example. So he was a networker entrepreneur and he led like a networker. And if you try to get him just into a manager box, it wouldn't work. And so, um, so just having only two types of leaders was a problem. But once, so leaders don't really know the identity. They know the end. But you know, Peter Drucker used to ask leaders, who are you? And many of them couldn't answer the question. And so dealing with this question of what's your identity, who are you as a leader is crucial. That's really, I love uh, Peter Drucker. I've actually been diving into his books as of late and uh, I can't put them down. I'm a personal yeah, well, fan. So I'm sure you've had some very interesting leadership situations. Can you maybe tell us about some of them and, uh, and uh, how they came about? Yeah, actually one, I remember having a breakfast with uh, Gary Dation at Cisco at the time, and we were chatting. And uh, Gary was a died in the world manager in the Lemon Leadership model. I mean, very black and white guy. I think he was a mathematician by background and stuff was just black and white process oriented and so on. And I'd read enough about and, and uh, uh, perhaps met John Chambers once or twice to know that he was a networker. So I could sit down with Gary over breakfast and tell him, these are all of the problems you're having most likely in your relationship with John. So he said, well, how do you know that? And so it just falls out of the fact of how they wired as leaders. So it wasn't a, a problem. It was just the fact that they were wired differently so they would see the world differently. You know, Don, John didn't believe in those days that the internet bubble was going to burst. You know, that it, this was a new economy that would just go up forever. And uh, Gary thought it wasn't going to be that way. And uh, why? Because Gary was a manager and, and John was a network. I mean, John said, I'll never fire anybody from Cisco. But he was a networker. And I mean, he loved people. And uh, he could do an acquisition, like a billion dollar acquisition in, an, in a half an hour, because that's what networkers can do, whereas the managers would have had to analyze the thing for weeks, you know. So, you know, given, I mean, just a, an interesting dynamic, you know. And, uh, and you need that so, dynamic, uh, I guess, hey, as well. I mean, the, the one yeah, can't be by itself, you know. Ab absolutely, yeah. This is one of the failures of leadership. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the failures, the myths that we have is that this cult of the individual, oh, we're going to have a new president and he's going to be awesome. And then 18 months later, they think, no, he's useless. Let's get another one. Instead of saying, you know, nobody's going to be that great. And what we need is a team of people. We actually need a team that has in the team, a luminary entrepreneurs, some managers, organizers, networkers, and we need to honor everybody in the team. And then look at a situation we've got to say hey we've got a problem right now with a customer what do we need now do we need a networker to go and schmooze them make them feel the love or do we need a luminary to go in and to blow the thing wide open with some fresh thinking or we do we need an organizer to go in and solve today's problem today quickly uh, so we need to actually have all five slices in a leadership team and this notion of the ceo or the md or the one person who's going to have it all is crazy and, and, and in other words, I think the person's got to recognize that they definitely can't have it all. And they've got, everyone's got to play to the strength and play in the team. 
because no one can play do this individually and do and be and be in all five of those quadrants right. that's what she's saying yeah yeah that's right you, you don't need an equal mix of them there aren't i mean based on our uh, online assessments you know there's there's fewer luminaries than there are networkers. You know, there's more organizers and networkers than there are anything else. But typically those guys are written off as not being leaders. They're just kind of gophers. They're just, they're just plebs. They, they're not actually leaders. But in reality, they are. And, uh, and so when it comes to female leaders, women are more often in the organizer networker camp than men are. And so, uh, so we just have to recognize there's not just two types of leaders. That's brilliant. So, I mean, I can imagine the, the jostling sometimes with position, you know, everyone maybe wants to be a leader or everyone wants to be recognized or everyone wants to be appreciated or, or uh, paid in, in different aspects. And how do you see that jostling and how do you see that balanced out? Yeah, you know, I'm um, just chatting with a guy yesterday and they brought a manager into the organization. This guy comes out of corporate. And uh, he has a view of the world that this is what work is. And uh, this is the way you determine people's compensation and how you recognize people. Well, the reality is a networker wants to be rewarded completely different than a manager does. Luminaries like to be applauded. Oh, that was brilliant. That's great. We think that's awesome. You know, entrepreneurs are like, don't clap, throw money. I want to be paid, right? If you think I'm <laughs> that's great, send me a check, right? Yeah. And the managers like to be respected. You know, don't, don't mess with me. You got to honor me. You got to respect me because I'm a manager. Right. And the networkers like to be liked. Oh, Gary, we think you're awesome. You know, you're great. We love you. Meantime, you didn't get paid, but you feel the love. Right. <laughs> and so in something like high, <laughs> something like high five, where you're actually encouraging affirmation and recognizing recognition, you've got to recognize that, you know, a manager wants to be affirmed or rewarded differently than a networker does. You know, so to say to a networker, oh, you run a really tight ship, he's like, what? I don't care about that. I want to know that you like me. That's wow. what I want to know. And you know, we've seen more and more as well. So it's not only just the, the managers and the leaders, it's actually just as important as the employees. I mean, most people, they're looking for appreciation from the managers, but not only the leadership themselves, but actually people that work alongside them, you know? So that's, and we've seen an interesting dynamic where it's not just from top to bottom, but bottom up as well. And uh, yeah, that's a very interesting play. Yeah, well. people kind of, yeah, yeah. People kind of expect, you know, it's dad's job to tell me I'm a great kid, you know, or it's the boss's job to tell me I'm doing a good job. But when your peers come along to you and they say, wow, the way you cracked that code, the way you put that marketing campaign together, the way you dealt with that tricky situation, the way you diffused that, that tense meeting, that was awesome. And, you, and each of us, you know, my wife says each of us has a, a sign hanging around our neck, notice me, you know. And one of the things I love about High Five, it's, it's a practical way to say, oh, without being creepy like the office stalker, you know, you can actually notice people and you, you develop a culture of people looking out for when people are doing good, which is what you want. You, know, you can't want people to be looking out for, uh, catch somebody doing something great and reaffirm it, whether it's values-wise or, or work product-wise, which I love. You know? Yeah, I mean, one of my personal, uh, like, uh, I don't know what you'd call the moment, but a heart drop moment is when we see people in companies get recognized that don't normally get recognized. You know, people behind the scenes that are 
putting in the long hours or, or, or even what I love is, is, and I've noticed on an ongoing basis, is normally HR people and people at reception or the front, or the front desk don't normally get recognized, but they're the ones that are doing the small tasks behind the scenes, you know, setting up the office special events or doing some fun things around the office or to adding a little, yeah. little bit of a, a extra love on a meeting, you know, and, and those people don't normally yeah. get recognized, but what co- companies and leaders fail to recognize is that without those, that little bit of appreciation for those kind of people, when those people are gone, they're, it's only, they're only missed when they're gone, you know, and, and then it's too late. And all that just, all yeah, yeah, those people yeah. just need is that ongoing yeah. appreciation. So, you know, that's actually a, a common issue with organizers in the lemon model, you know, the, the sort of the motto of this is you'll be sorry when I'm gone, you know, you don't realize how much I do right now, <laughs> but when I'm gone, you'll be sorry. Actually, I went into a company a while ago in, uh, in Durbanville here in Cape Town and I went to the reception and on her desk was a sign that said first impressions, which was awesome because uh, that's really what she was and Ooh, so say I that again. Say again. for actually making a good first impression. But so instead of saying receptionist, it yeah. said Minister of First Impressions. Oh, and that's it. it. I mean, when you, yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. I love it. I mean, maybe we need to change people's job titles. You know? <laughs> well, thanks a lot for your time, Brett. That was unbelievable. I mean, we'll just end it for the last bit of 60 seconds. So quickly tell us maybe how you spend your day. I get up in the morning, have a cup of tea, I read, sometimes I walk and I journal. Brilliant. And any like structured task, any, how do you do, how do you go about, what's your favorite tools, your online tools that you use for productivity? Yeah. Yeah. So one to stop junk coming to me is unroll me, unroll.me and all of the non-important emails just get swooped up there and I look at them twice a week maybe. And then calendar is a big deal for me. Obviously calendar and email, but more so calendar. So I drive things off my calendar. Brilliant. And it's just out of interest, what uh, tool are you using? Are you using Outlook or Apple Calendar? I'm actually using uh, Google. So I have uh, our email is hosted by Google. And so even though I use Outlook for my mail, I'm using Google at the back end. And we have that for shared calendars across the country. Company, yeah. Yeah, we've actually just migrated the whole company where we've ditched all Excel keynote and everything. And we've gone over to the full Google suite and that's, it actually worked. We're doing it for the, for the yeah. last six months and yeah. it's unbelievable because it works offline. So you can do it while you're traveling. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And then um, any interesting yeah. anything you've yeah. been reading that's interesting lately? Any books? Yeah, I just read it. Yeah. I just read a quick short thing. I picked up a uh, Time magazine special on the life of Billy Graham, America's preacher, while I was in the States last week. That's fascinating guy, how he used media. Uh, uh, He was a very humble farm boy, but he had the chutzpah to kind of press him and get to know presidents and how he used media, his failures in leadership and his successes. I mean, they weren't moral failures, but things that he learned dealing with politicians and other people. And just an amazing life, just died recently at 99. Very, very inspiring. Yeah, he is a big inspiration to many people. Well, thanks a lot for today. I mean, how, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, just Brett at INST, short for Institute, INST.net, Brett at INST.net. They can also get us off lemonleadership.com 
or repurposing.biz, but Brett at inst.net is an easy way. Okay, well, brilliant. Well, thanks a lot for your time. So for all the listeners out there, I highly recommend uh, taking your team through the Lemon Leisure book. Uh, we found it amazing. It's, it's a really good way just to, just to assess yourself personally and to assess the team and actually look at what the strengths and weaknesses with each, within each individual. Thanks a lot, Brett. Give me a high five. You're welcome. Cheers. Thanks.